Hey everyone, it's me, Chris Joseph, your internet friend and co-host of Florida Man Murders. Just a heads up that we have... Those are my dogs. Just a heads up that we have one more episode remaining of this, our second season of Florida Man Murders. After that, we're taking a little bit of a summer hiatus, but we will be back with a whole new season and a whole new batch of crazy-ass Florida Man and Mayhem stories. Until then... Please feel free to catch up on episodes you may have missed. My dogs are killing each other in the background. And if you haven't yet, please, please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars and then say some cool shit about the pod. It really helps us. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. We are floored that so many of you have taken a liking to our goofy shit week after week. It's it's bonkers. It's bananas. So, thank you. Oh, and also keep a lookout on this feed as Siege and I will drop the occasional mini-episode featuring guest hosts and whatnot during our time off, so we're not completely going away. But until then, thank you again, enjoy the rest of Season 2, and remember that only assholes murder, so don't be an asshole. You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida. And then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. What's up, you murderous fucks and you crazy voyeurs? All right, who we got? Who we got? Let's 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 get into this, guys. Let's come on. Let's get on get these bugs out of our head and let's get on with it. Let's let's cheer, let's cheer ourselves up by li- talking about a murder. Dateline, 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 Hollywood, Florida. Fuck yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood up to no good. Oh, a lot of Hollywood. We do. We've done a, a, a few Hollywood. Yeah, right. this season, <laughs> back to back Hollywood. Yeah, we did a bunch of Hollywood this season. Van Buren Street, Lincoln Street. What are we talking? Which presidential street are we talking about here? It's uh, Hollywood, Florida. Nineteen eighty-one is the year. Otis Elwood Tool. Oh wow, that's a name and a half. He was born on March fifth, nineteen forty-seven, in Jacksonville, Florida. Duval. His father was a raging alcoholic. What up, Pop? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was it me? uh, He, he, uh, no, I hope not. He abandoned the family when Otis was a child. Otis or Otis? Otis. How's it spelled? Are are you sure? I'm positive. (laughs) (laughs) It's O double T I S. That's Otis. I'm going with Otis. Okay, all right, Otis. It is. One of the rumors as to why Otis's dad left was because one of the friends. Hold on. One of, There's never, no one's ever been called Otis. Have you ever heard of an Otis before in your life? Can we Other than an otter? otter, maybe at a yeah, aquarium. The otter. Otis the otter coming Otis up, folks. Come on, kids, circle around. <laughs> Otis is here. He's on his yeah. on his back. Look at him. Does anybody have a pronunciation app? No, it's Otis. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never sure, mind. Guy. Whatever. Sure, bud. Uh, Otis's father. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the rumors of the reasons why Otis's father left was because one of his friends raped Otis when he was only five years old, and the father let it happen. Huh. Otis. Yeah. What? Otis. It says Otis. It's worse. It's, it says Otis. 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 <laughs> what a Honduran uh, name 
Fucking translator app. Otis. <laughs> Mira, se llama Otis. It's Otis. Every freaking piece of electronics I own speaks with a freaking Miami Cuban accent. Otis. <laughs> um, so now you have to say it with a with that same accent. I can't Otis. say it like that. This guy's a killer, a murderer, a person. Yeah, Otis. Just let's go with Otis. It's fine. Fine, Otis. Otter. Spend disbelief. You want me to say Otis? I'll say Otis. Okay. If it'll help us move this fucking thing along. <laughs> Otis's mother, it's not the same. Otis's mother, meanwhile, uh, she was a religious fanatic. Crazy about the Jesus. Wait, so, sorry, because we interrupted so much, and we can't help ourselves at the very beginning of this podcast but to explode onto the microphones. So let, why did, so the dad let it happen? Well, that was a rumor, because he left. He left the family because he was a drunk. Right. But one of the rumors, according to Otis Otis's bio, was the reason he left was because, yeah, a friend of his, of the dad's, raped. Oh, the dad's, okay, yeah. Yeah, Otis, and then he let it happen. Like, he let his buddy rape his son. Okay, okay. Thanks for clearing that Ooh. up. Um, and then we went into some jokes. <laughs> Welcome to Florida Man Murder. Uh, so yeah, so his mother was crazy religious lady. Uh, at age 10, Otis confessed to his mother that he thought he might be gay, and his mother reacted to this by beating him severely. Following that incident, she would beat Otis often and constantly verbally abuse him, and she also began dressing him in girls' clothes and calling him Susan. Fucking insane. Otis claimed that his grandmother was a Satanist who would bring him to graveyards to dig up bodies for satanic rituals, although this story was not, cannot be verified, but he said that was a thing. Uh, as a school kid, Otis was diagnosed with having an IQ of 75, which is not great. Some, however, believe that o uh, his IQ was probably higher and that he had received such a low score because he suffered from various learning disabilities, including dyslexia and ADHD. And his mother beating him and dressing him like a girl. And calling him Susan. Um, Otis was also diagnosed at a very early age with pyrophilia. Mm. Pyrophilia, mm. for those who may not know, is when someone is sexually aroused by fire. Mm-hmm. Horny for fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to light a candle? I got one horny. right here. He's just horny. Anything makes him horny. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Fire, water, true. ice. All the elements get horny. All I heard was philia, and I was just like, I felt it move. Oh, God. Fire's a weird one to get a boner out of. No, it's not. Don't kink shame. <laughs> I, just, I didn't say bad. I just said a weird one. That's it. It's weird. Yeah. Um, okay. So Otis's fucked up home life eventually forced him to run away uh, from his home. And as a kid, he was like 13 or so. And then he would often sleep in abandoned houses throughout Jacksonville. Ugh, that's creepy as shit. Jacksonville? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, th yeah, that firstly. But uh, <laughs> fucking dark abandoned house, no electricity, just oof. Spooky. At 14, Otis dropped out of school and began frequenting uh, gay bars. He supported himself by prostituting himself, often hitchhiking and then offering sexual favors to men who pulled over to offer him a ride. This was also where he'd commit his first murder. One day, while hitchhiking, a traveling salesman pulled over and agreed to have sex with Otis for money. The man left his car by the side of the road, and the two went into the woods to have sex. When they finished, Otis ran back to the man's car. The salesman chased after him. Otis then managed to get the car started and ran the salesman over. Otis got out of the car and left the man dying on the side of the road. In 1965, when Otis was 17, he was arrested for loitering at one of the abandoned houses that he was staying in. And following his arrest, he left Jacksonville and he moved to Nebraska. In 1974... A Nebraska adult bookstore and porn shop worker, Patricia Webb, went missing one night after work. Police say Otis went into the store that night and held Patricia up at gunpoint. He then stole 50 porn magazines, a calculator, and some cash. When Patricia tried to call the cops, she realized that Otis had cut the phone cord. 
Several days later, a cattle farmer discovered Patricia's body laying in an empty field. It had been riddled with bullets, six to the head and four to the body. She was covered with only a quilted jacket, and the rest of her clothes were missing, and she had a piece of tape over her mouth. Following that murder, Otis slipped away to Boulder, Colorado. In one day in October of 74, Otis entered a massage parlor and stabbed employee Yan Lee. He then slashed her throat. He raped, shot, and stabbed the other employee, Sun Ok Cousin. Otis then set both women on fire. Holy shit. Miraculously, Yan Lee, the first lady he attacked, survived. She survived being stabbed, having her throat slashed, and burned. And she was able to describe Otis to the cops. But by the time his description went out, Otis had once again slipped away. God damn it. One month later, Otis became a prime suspect in the abduction and shooting of 31-year-old Ellen Holman, and her body was found dumped close to the Oklahoma border. Fuck. Man, this guy is fucking nuts. Yeah, wow. Straight to serial killer. Straight to serial killer. Yeah, he's just leaving uh, bodies everywhere. Otis left Colorado and made his way back to Jacksonville. And while there, he met a woman and began dating her. At the time, Otis was 29 and the woman was 54. The two were married in January of 1976, but she ended up leaving him three days later when he asked if he could have sex with men from time to time. After his wife left him, Otis went back to drifting and panhandling around Florida. Later that year, homeless and penniless, he found himself at a Jacksonville soup kitchen. And while there, he met and fell for another drifter, one-eyed man from Texas named Henry Lee Lucas. Otis and Henry hit it off right away, and the two became lovers. Henry Lee Lucas was born in Blacksburg, Virginia in 1936. His father... Damn, so he was like 10 years older. Yeah, he likes older folks. Um, Good math, Siege. You're just really on top of the math tonight. (laughs) Listen, man, this is what happens when you're drinking... Out of a Burger King coffee cup. That's how it works. Uh, Henry Lee's father was also a raging alcoholic, and he died when Henry was a child after getting drunk and passing out outside during a blizzard. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. You gotta be real fucking drunk to just fucking (laughs) die in a blizzard outside because you fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Henry's mother was a prostitute who would make Henry watch while she had sex with clients. And like Otis, Henry was made to dress like a girl by his mother from time to time. But her reason was that so that he could prostitute himself to older men. Jesus (sighs) Christ. (laughs) Shit's dark. Shit's real dark. These guys. Oh, it gets worse. In 1950. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. This is how we're closing out season two. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. In 1951, when Henry was 15, he made sexual advances to a 17-year-old girl, and when she refused his advances, he strangled her to death. In 1960, when Henry was 24, he got into a heated argument with his mother when he told her that he had been dating a man and that they were getting married. During the argument, his mother hit Henry across the head with a broomstick. He then stabbed her in the neck with a pair of scissors, and she bled to death. We're burning the boats. <laughs> At the end of season two, I see. <laughs> My God. <sighs> so for this, Henry was caught and arrested. He was sentenced to ten years in prison uh, for murdering his mother. And then when he was released, he began his life of drifting around from town to town. A year after being released from prison, Henry was arrested again, this time for attempting to kidnap three schoolgirls. Luckily, they survived. While in jail, he became pen pals with a single mom, and when he was released, they got engaged. But soon after, the engagement was called off when the woman's daughter accused Henry of sexual assault. He then moved to West Virginia, met another woman, and that relationship ended for the same exact reasons he sexually assaulted the woman's daughter. From there, Henry decided to move to Florida. As one does. And there he met Otis Toole at the Jacksonville Soup Kitchen in 1976. The two became lovers and drifted from town to town together. With their shared love of murdering, Henry told Otis how he had killed a 17-year-old girl and got away with it. And this turned into Henry critiquing Otis's methods and telling him he was being too sloppy. 
According to police records, Henry told investigators, quote, Otis was doing his crimes all one way. I started to correct him in his ways in doing the crime where he wouldn't leave information. I really care about you and the effort that you're putting in towards. Good lover. He's, <laughs> he's uh, helping his, his lover get better at murdering. I know this is your dream and these are your goals and I just really want you to focus on he's coaching him up. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good partner. Oh, very supportive. It didn't take long for the two lovers to begin murdering together. Otis and Henry started picking up male hitchhikers, offering them sex, and then killing them in the woods. Some they strangled, others they stabbed, and others they shot. But soon they expanded their victims' list to include anyone they ran into on the road, not just men looking for sex. Henry would prey on women hitchhikers, and Otis would kill men. And then they would dump the bodies of their victims by the side of the road after making sure there was nothing to trace the killings back to them. And one account says that the two drove with the head of one of their victims in the back seat of their car before getting rid of it two states over. The two stayed together and went on murder sprees together for a couple of years across Texas, Louisiana, and Colorado. The two men then took a break from killing, and they moved back to Jacksonville. Otis and Henry moved into Otis's mother's house, and they each worked regular jobs for a while, mostly Otis. Otis became a roofer and a maintenance man, while Henry sort of lounged around the house. He was like a housewife. While living with Otis's family, Henry befriended Otis's 15-year-old intellectually disabled niece, Becky. Oh, good. <laughs> two, had, two had sex, and not long after, Henry declared his love for her and asked Becky to run away with him. They left Florida together and drove to California. So he left Otis. When they arrived in California, Henry began telling people that Becky was his wife. And Henry landed a job with a family named the Rich Family. Nice. When he, when he was tasked with being a caregiver to the 82-year-old matriarch named Kate. But not long after this, Kate discovered that Henry had stolen her checkbook and was using checks to purchase things in her name. So she confronted Henry and then fired him on the spot. Henry then grabbed Becky, and they left for the they left the rich house, and the two began driving to Texas. But Becky began to complain that she was homesick and wanted to go back to Jacksonville. Now, while in Texas, Henry was pulled over by a cop who recognized him as a suspect wanted for the questioning of the disappearance of Kate Rich. So the 82-year-old lady he was overseeing was missing. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. Henry confessed... Let me guess. The cop just let him go. <laughs> Wild guess. Uh, actually, Henry confessed to the cop that he did kill Kate. And then he led Dude, investigators how many to... fucking people has this guy killed a... already? <laughs> a yeah, like, lot. We're, we're in like the in the like 20s at this point. <sighs> yeah. 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 He led the investigators to the remains, Kate's remains in California. He told cops that he had stabbed her in the heart when she confronted him about the checks. And when he went to dump the body... He had suddenly become aroused and had sex with Kate's corpse. When he was done with that, he dragged her body to a drainage pipe near the road and shoved her into it as far as he could. Wait, he told the cops all this? Yeah. Yeah. So, when investigators looked in the drain pipe... They... Well, that sounds kind of crazy, but um, <laughs> be on your way with your 15-year-old friend here. I'll let you off with a warning. It is Texas, after all. We're a bunch of fucking idiots. At this point, it's kind of occurring to me that all these like stupid ass like Bond villains that tell you the whole plan. That's that's like not fake. That's like actually happening. It's like they get off on telling you every detail of all the fucking disgusting shit that they've done. Yeah. <laughs> Most of what we know about these two guys is what they told cops. Unfucking like, real. So. When the investigators went to look for Kate's remains in the drainage pipe, they also found the remains of somebody else. And then when they confronted him with this, Henry confessed the other body belonged to Becky, the niece. Aye, aye, aye. He apparently stabbed to death when she wouldn't stop complaining about wanting to go back to Florida. You mean the one he professed his love for? Yes. <laughs> Correct. So while all this was happening, Otis was back in Jacksonville, broken-hearted over Henry having left him for his niece. While most people try overcoming heartbreak by drinking or finding a new lover or exercising or some other form of 
stress relief, Otis went out and got his frustrations out by murdering. Here we go. (laughs) Otis jumped into his car and drove up and down Interstate 10 across Florida and went on a one crazy wild murder spree. One of the people he murdered during this time was a 65-year-old Jacksonville man named George Sonenberg. Otis met George at a boarding house that George owned. The two began a sexual relationship that lasted a couple of days. Because of course they did. And then one day, after having an argument, Otis locked George in his bedroom. He then barricaded the front doors of the house with wooden planks and chairs and anything else he could find. And then Otis lit the house on fire with George still inside. So Otis just stood there watching the house engulfed in flames. And by the time the firefighters arrived, it was too late. George had burned alive. Otis was immediately arrested. And back at the police station, Otis signed a confession. He then learned that his old lover, Henry Lee Lucas, had also recently been arrested and had confessed to some of the murders that they both committed together. That's when Otis told investigators about how the burning murder of George Sonnenberg was just part of a killing spree he went on across the state, and that he murdered dozens of people during that time as he made his way up and down I-10. He described each of his Florida spree victims in detail. But one victim he mentioned in particular immediately caught the attention of investigators. Otis told him that he had kidnapped and murdered a young boy in Hollywood, Florida. A young boy whose abduction from a Sears had been all over the news. (sighs) Adam John Walsh was born on November 14th, 1974 in Hollywood, Florida to John and Rive Walsh. On the afternoon of July 27th, 1981, Adam went to the Hollywood Mall with his mother, Reve. They went to the Sears. Reve had seen a lamp that was on sale there in a catalog, and she wanted to buy it. Once they entered the Sears, he tried to find an employee to inquire about the lamp. In the middle of the store was a display featuring an Atari 2600. The video game console was connected to a television so customers could sample the latest video games. A bunch of older kids had been gathering there, each taking turns with a controller, so Reve allowed Adam to stay there and play with the other kids while she looked for someone to ask about the lamp. And a little bit after 12.15 in the afternoon, Reve returned to the Atari display to get Adam, but found the area completely deserted. There were no kids anywhere. She found a manager to ask him where the kids had all gone, and he told her that a fight had broken out over whose turn it was with the controller. The commotion caused a mall security guard to confront the kids. He asked them if their parents were around, and when the kids were like, nah, the guard told them to get the hell out of here, and they all dispersed. And it's assumed that when the kids left, Adam followed them all out, thinking he might be in trouble. Because he was just a little kid. Uh, Once outside, the other boys scattered, leaving Adam alone in the mall exit. The problem was, the exit was different from the way he and his mother had entered the mall, and it's possible that Adam was just disoriented about where he was. Inside the Sears, Reve went to look for Adam in the toy department, but he wasn't there. She had him paged over the public address system, but nothing came of that. She then ran into her own mother-in-law, who just happened to be shopping there that day, told her how Adam was lost. So the two looked for him for about an hour and a half before deciding to finally call Hollywood police. Adam's disappearance made the local news, and as the days went by without a trace of him, soon became national news. All kinds of law enforcement were dispatched in charge with finding the missing boy, John and Reve gave nightly interviews with news crews, often pleading with Adam's abductor to return him safely. A photo of Adam missing his front baby teeth and posing with a baseball bat in his Little League uniform and red cap was suddenly everywhere. Yeah, uh, we're all of a certain age that we, you know, we're in that same age range and the fallout from that and like what that felt like, I think. It's super vivid for all of us because we were all little kids the same age as him. Yeah. She was fucked up. Changed everything. Every single one of us. Yeah. I was going to say every single one of us remember that picture. My own personal story. My own mom used to work at that mall. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And uh, 
whoo man and i and i do remember and i remember specifically one time that you know we were at the mall and i was a little kid i was probably like eight you know a little siege yeah and uh it's just and we were and we were in like one of the big department stores at the end is i mean could have been a sears could have been a jay-z penny whatever i don't remember i was eight but like I like one time, like my mom went down an aisle and as a kid does, you know, you go run and hide from them. You hide under a rack of clothes or something. And yeah. I'm hearing her looking and I'm thinking it's funny. And I go running out the store and next thing you know, there's fucking people shouting and all sorts of other stuff looking Jesus for me. Jesus Christ. See. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, this and, same and to thing think about it, literally the same thing happened to me. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's, it's like, and this is all like, six years so it's all it's like six years after this happened so it's like fresh fresh yeah. in people's heads in the same fucking mall man yeah mm-hmm. that's fucked up man yeah, yeah same thing. Like, i think about i think about that all the time whenever i whenever i see like john walsh's face or like anything yeah. about adam walsh as soon as i heard you say yeah adam walsh like even before like when we all sighed yeah yeah i think my mom i, I fucking you know, just like ran down an aisle and like disappeared for a few minutes. My mom frantically looking for me, like calling for me on the fucking loudspeaker inside of the store. I think it was a Sears also. Not the same, yep. that same one, but like <clears throat> that was a really, I don't know, man. That, that shit is like just, it feels like very fresh when we talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? Away. We're all assholes. We were assholes as children and we're assholes now. <laughs> you guys are a burden to your mothers. <laughs> two of Yeah, just just the two of us, not Chris though. Yeah. He was an angel. Chris. Yeah, he was perfect. I, I mean, mean angelic fuck. That's what his mom told me that he was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh a little over two weeks after Adam disappeared, um, Investigators discovered a severed head in a drainage canal along the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, almost 130 miles from Hollywood. Soon, TV news crews began to report on the finding and speculated that that it was Adam. Indian River County and St. Lucie County divers searched the canal where the head had been found, but they failed to find a body. The following morning, John and Reve appeared on Good Morning America saying they still hoped Adam was alive, and John announced a $100,000 reward for Adam's safe return. But a few days later, authorities confirmed and announced that the remains found in the drainage canal were ID'd as Adam. His body was never recovered. The coroner ruled that Adam's cause of death was asphyxiation and that he had been beheaded after death. Adam Walsh was six years old. In his confession, Otis told investigators that he had found Adam wandering outside the Sears. Otis immediately befriended Adam and told him he had candy and toys in his car. Otis said Adam came willingly. And when Adam got into Otis's car, they drove off away from the Sears parking lot. And that's when Adam began to panic and he started crying. Otis said he just kept driving. But Adam's insistent crying drove Otis to punch Adam to quiet him. But this only made things worse. So in a fit of rage, Otis punched and beat Adam over and over until he was knocked unconscious. Otis then pulled the car over and decided he needed to kill Adam to get rid of the body. And he said he wrapped the seatbelt around the unconscious boy's neck and strangled him until he stopped breathing. I hate this. Fucking and much like he did now. with previous victims, Otis decapitated him with a machete. Uh, after the fact, and then he decided to drive back to Jacksonville, and on his way back, he tossed the head into the canal, and then kept going. He told investigators that he incinerated the body when he got back to Jacksonville. Then, not long after killing Adam, that's when he met George Sonnenberg, and then killed him by burning his house down. Otis claimed that at one point, he had reconnected with Henry and told him about the Adam Walsh killing, and Henry told investigators about Otis's confession corroborating the story. At one point, Henry told investigators that he had helped Otis kill Adam, but then retracted his statement. Even with Otis's confession, however, authorities had a hard time nailing down a conviction for Adam's killing, mostly because the cops 
botch the investigation, sloppy and careless mistakes. For one thing... Wait, what bro- more do you need if this guy has this fucking long history? Yeah. And he's confessing to it. Like, Oh, what- they're bad. The cops are oh, fucking idiots. I, I know he's not black, but like he's literally giving you everything and he murdered a fucking six-year-old boy, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah. Are you forgetting that this is Florida? <laughs> This no, Florida cops. yeah, I, I'm sorry. I guess no, it's, you know, it's true. Sorry. It's one hundred percent true. For one oh. thing, uh, both Otis and Henry were notorious for confessing to crimes only to retract their confessions later. Um, so the cops were not prepared as, for that, as one does, you know. And then the yeah. cops are like, "Ah, you got us again!" Right? Off you go. Uh, and they should have known that. Crazy they should have prepared accordingly. Moreover, by the time Otis had been arrested. For the Sonnenberg murder, the Adam Walsh murder was already all over the news. So Otis could easily say, well, he just confessed to the killing because it was on the news and he was just making it up. Uh, but the, the main mistake cops made was in the taped interviews with Otis. In pretty much all the recordings, the lead investigators appeared to be coercing Otis into confessions. And at some points, questioned Otis without a lawyer present. Um, very obvious in the way they kind of lead him on in these interviews. And again, no lawyer around any defense lawyer could have just dropped this shit right there. And this guy would have walked. So dumb. It's like, yeah. like super simple procedurals. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. It was pretty much fucking morons. The most egregious thing, however, was that the car that Otis had been driving when he was arrested, uh, reportedly had blood stains on the carpeting. And experts believe that had that blood had to have been Adams. But following his arrest, the car was impounded and then just lost. They lost Otis's car after impounding just it. Fucking lost a car. After impounding it. With blood evidence. Yeah. Yep. The cops lost the car that likely had Adam Walsh's blood stains and DNA everywhere. And it was never found. They don't know what happened, who took it, where it went. It was gone. So, for all these reasons, Otis Toole was never convicted for Adam Walsh's murder. And the Hollywood police chief at the time publicly apologized to Adam's parents and told the press, quote, if you're looking for that magic wand, that one piece of evidence, it's not there. What a fucking guy. Yeah, I know why it's not there. Because you fucking got rid of it. You fucked it up. You fucking lost it. You lost it. It, 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 pro- it. it seems like it was there all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But you just <sighs> fucked it up, and now it's not the there. fucking ball. You. If you're looking for that magic wand, it's not like, shut the fuck up. You hey, had you, it. it was you guys think the there's some. Shifting. You fucking dipshits. You think there's some magical piece of evidence out there. I'm going to tell you that there isn't. Because yeah. we threw it in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, because we put it up for car auction. Yeah. We cleaned it. We detailed it. <laughs> had bloodstains. Can't sell it with bloodstains. Blood but we made a couple hundred bucks off it. So that's that. Yeah. So Otis, you know, wasn't ever convicted, but he was found guilty for the murder of George Sonnenberg. And sentenced to death, although the sentencing was eventually commuted to life in prison. Uh, Otis was also convicted for nine of the multiple murders he committed throughout his life. During a prison interview with a tabloid paper, Otis confessed to the reporter that he ate children. Uh, But some have disputed this as mere boasting, as Otis was prone to do. On September 15, 1996, at the age of 49, Otis Toole died in his prison cell from cirrhosis of the liver. Of course. He was buried in a prison cemetery as no one claimed his body. He was 49 years old. The Adam Walsh case would remain open until 2008 when Hollywood police announced that they were satisfied that Otis Toole was indeed the killer. Adam's father, John Walsh, released a statement saying he saw all the evidence and it was enough for him to be convinced that Otis was the guy. There are also lots of circumstantial evidence against Otis, such as eyewitnesses who swear they saw him at the mall that day. In 2007, a weird rumor began to swirl that Jeffrey Dahmer had killed Adam Walsh. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he was in Miami around the same time Adam had disappeared, and and most of Dahmer's victims were young boys. But when he was asked about it, Dahmer denied it. Uh, but they people just kept insisting. I mean, didn't Dahmer usually like like minority? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. You know, teenage boys. I mean, not to. No, no, yeah, yeah for sure. Split hair is here, but like, yeah, it just doesn't seem to track. So yeah, from from if, if if I seem to remember, it was wasn't it. Wasn't it somebody who was interviewing Jeffrey Dahmer in jail? It was like an investigator who was interviewing Jeffrey Dahmer in jail. I'm going to look this up. Just well, yeah, to yeah, sure, that's that's it, where I was getting I, to. Um, oh, oh, yeah, okay, because yeah, they, go, go, they kept sorry. insisting. So someone was sent to his prison cell to interview him. He was like, he had to put it on the, he's like, he had to be like Nick Saban. It. He had to like put it on, on, on the record. Uh, he said, quote, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He, he said, quote, I've told you everything, how I killed them how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did it to someone else? So Dahmer's like, if I did it, I would have told you. Like, why would I yeah, hold back this one guy, I, you know, this one kid that I didn't kill? The worst person you ever know. It's like that meme. <laughs> and thus the meme was wow. born. And thus the meme was born. <laughs> uh, yeah, in 2008, when police officially closed the Adam Walsh case, John Walsh revealed another piece of evidence. He said that Otis's niece had approached him with something. On the day of his death in 96, Otis made a deathbed confession saying that he was Adam Walsh's killer. As for his lover, Henry Lee Lucas, he was convicted of 11 murders, including a highly publicized unsolved murder of an unidentified young girl the media had dubbed Orange Socks after, after her naked body was discovered wearing only orange socks. The girl's body had been found in Texas creative. on Halloween of 1979. She had been strangled only hours before being discovered, and Henry was given the death penalty for her murder. Um, on March 12, 2001, Henry was found dead in his prison cell from congestive heart failure. He was 64. <sighs> These fucking guys get away. <laughs> like... Two years after Adam's death, on October 10th, 1983, NBC aired the made-for-TV movie called Adam. It was watched by 38 million people. My house being one of them. <laughs> mine, mine as well. Um, after the movie ended, NBC showed pictures of missing children with a toll-free number people could call with information. Yep. Adam's abduction murder, the subsequent publicity of it, the endless news coverage and the made-for-TV movie helped lead to a mid-1980s panic over stranger abductions. That's what you guys are talking about. <laughs> sort of like the satanic panic, but this one was with strangers. Yeah, I mean, I was not allowed to leave my <laughs> street. <Don't> my <laughs> I could only bike ride in my street, up and down the street. That's it. That's, that's the furthest extent I could go. Without a doubt. <laughs> TV shows and sitcoms began, began airing episodes that warned children of imminent dangers and of, of strangers. Oh, no. Different strokes. Different strokes Dudley. Episode where Dudley got... Dudley got... <laughs> Dudley. <laughs> Poor little Dudley. Poor Dudley. That was so fucked. It was like three episodes. Yep. Jesus. I think we talked yeah, about it before. Yeah, it was a fucking three-parter. Uh, there's like a Punky Brewster episode as well with one of her friends. Where they got, got Alan. Yeah. That just became the thing. Yeah, everybody's getting kidnapped and hi and hiding in refrigerators. <laughs> we circled back. Uh, memes of abduction vans and strangers with candy became, you know, a thing. The term "stranger danger" became part of the lexicon. Uh, if you grew up in the late '80s, you were subjected to being scared shitless and to never going anywhere without a buddy, or to never <laughs> ever speak to strangers. Yeah, fuck yeah, man! They put light, they put street lights on our street because of this stuff. Seriously, we didn't have street lights <laughs> until probably about like '89. It was it yeah. was a rough time, man. It was either the fucking cocaine cowboys are going to shoot you up in a Publix, or someone's going to take like abduct <laughs> you from that Publix. Wild West. It's bleak. <laughs> the Wild West ain't have shit on fucking South Florida <laughs> in like the eighties. It's like, where am I growing up? What is this place? 
People wonder why we are the way that we are. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yeah, Adam's father, John, actually helped contribute to this sort of mini panic phenomenon in 1983 when he pushed a false statistic to Congress that there were 50,000 abducted and 1.5 million missing children annually. He also testified that the U.S. is littered with mutilated, decapitated, raped, and strangled children. Yeah, John Walsh, like, he really angled this. I was going to say, pulling out the full Trump there. Yeah, he, he, he really angled it. I mean, hey, maybe this drove him crazy. I don't know what it was like before that, but oof. He went yeah. off the rails. He like really leaned into this whole thing. Yeah. The uh, the Department of Justice study that refuted those claims, saying that only 115 incidents of that kind of kidnapping were perpetrated by strangers annually, and about 50 of those resulted in death or the child not being found at all. And we know now that the majority of kidnappings are committed by someone the child knows, such as like a family member. Mm. He said a million a year. Yeah. A million and a half. <laughs> Give it. <laughs> it's number. a big, big number. In 20 years, we have no more children. <laughs> <laughs> the United States population has come to a halt. United States. <laughs> <laughs> but waiting to drop that for a couple episodes. <laughs> uh, in 2016, criminologist Richard Moran told Time Magazine, "Quote: The Walsh case created a nation of petrified kids and paranoid parents. Kids used to be able to go out and organize a stickball game, and now all play dates and the social lives of children are arranged and controlled by the parents." The fear still lingers today. I mean, I mean, it, it kind of <laughs> does in a way. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, scared to send them. To, it's maybe worse. They can't even get send them to school anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, there is a whole hell of a lot of like I, w- <laughs> I don't want to say I don't want to say like there's more danger now than there was then, but I mean, yeah, there is. There's fucking assault weapons out there going into elementary schools. Whereas back then we were trying to hide an entire generation from like five or six people that we knew of capturing and murdering kids. Yeah. Like where there was always this yeah. one guy that you were afraid of. And like now yeah, those like people shit. were pushed to the fringes. Now yeah. those people have like, mm-hmm. you're encouraged audience. And yeah. Yeah. You're literally encouraged. Um, Adam and Reve Walsh would go on to have three children following Adam's death. Adam's father, John Walsh, became an advocate for victims and missing children. He became a popular TV personality. And pretended to be a cop on America's Most Wanted. Yeah, John Walsh created uh, America's Most Wanted in 1988, and that aired on Fox until 2011. It's a long run of fear. (laughs) It's a long run of fear. sweet... Fear ratings. <laughs> Did that shit really run until 2011? Yep. Yep. Uh, That's fucking all what, that time. That? Good God. Is that literally 23 seasons? Is that what that is? Like 88, 88 to, to 2000. That's like a whole fucking. Yeah, dude. Gummy. Fear ratings. Ah, the best. Funny enough, the show. Led to the capture of a thou- about a thousand fugitives. A thousand? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, not, if you extrapolate it over 23 years, yeah. fucking 40 episodes or whatever per year. Right. Um, after 2011, he launched two more shows The Hunt with John Walsh for yeah, CNN. Yeah, that was fucking weird. And In Pursuit with John Walsh for Discovery. Just a weird thing to segue into after your kid gets fucking murdered. Like, yeah, I would have sued the Hollywood the guy Police Department shit. and, like, gone to live somewhere else. <laughs> in 2006, John Walsh faced criticisms when he joked in front of cameras that the government should implant exploding chips in the anuses of convicted sex offenders to keep them in line. Quote, I say implanted in their anus... And if they go outside the radius, explode it. 
That would send a big message. <laughs> okay. John We're not nuts at all. Literally. Uh, it, the man. irony of all this is that... I'm surprised they didn't run for president after that kind of stance. <laughs> for real. Um, according to his own autobiography, when John met his wife-to-be, Reve, he was 20 and she was just 16. So, kind of a... Um, a little, uh, little uh, leaning, yeah. leaning that way. Could have had a chip in his own uh, anus. Uh, you know anus chip. <laughs> um, yeah, she was 16. Underage. In all, according to investigators and confessions... Otis Toole and his lover, Henry Lee Lucas, committed 108 murders across the U.S. What? Fuck. Yeah. But over time, DNA evidence had verified that Henry himself did not murder 20 of the victims he confessed to. So the actual number may not be known, but it's definitely in the high 90s to 100. <laughs> I mean, you know, give or take 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. <sighs> And there you go. That is uh, the story of Otis Toole and the Adam Walsh abduction. God damn. How long, how long were they out there on the road just like fucking murdering wherever the fuck they were? It's a good, good while. Like, like late 70s into the early 80s. Yeah. Um, Man. A good six or seven years, maybe. Six or seven years and you got... And you like fucking caught a hundred bodies. Murders. Yeah, let's just say it's a hundred in six or seven years. It's like you know that's over ten. That's like a dozen a year. That's insane, dude. You're killing them once a month. Yeah, it's a good average. I mean, while he while Chris was describing it, like it went from like we went through probably thirty of them in yeah to six minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just it like I was I was just like losing my shit like, by murders. <laughs> as yeah. soon as like as soon as I'm like just digesting the one, the next one is up. Here's another one. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like here, here's this yeah, body. Here's a, and it's like oh, a bonus. This old... a bonus one shoved away inside of a fucking drainage pipe. <laughs> it's like oh this oh you found the, the drainage one. pipe one good oh yeah yeah that other one in there yeah that was me too. Oh wait, special. We found the 80-year-old woman. Oh, since you're looking for the 80-year-old woman, let me tell you about the 15-year-old nephew who was my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and um, if you look at their photos, man, they're crazy looking. This this is one that I'm not not Googling. I pulled him up on Wikipedia, and... uh... If I saw him at a mall, I would remember him. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. If I saw him at the Hollywood Mall, I'd be like, yeah, I saw that fucking 75 fucking he looks just demented. Yeah, I don't I don't even I don't even want to Google it. I don't want to put this face with anything. I can't believe his abusive mother would dress him in girls' clothing and call him Susan for real. Like that yeah. <laughs> that was an actual thing. Like, Dude, isn't like it... well, dress me up in women's clothes and call me Susan. <laughs> you go real... back you go back to season one and like some of these first some of these yeah. first ones that we went through back in season one, the earliest ones, like weren't we like just dumbfounded at how stupid it was like this seems like a running thread through the 40s and 50s and 60s that like these parents were just like yeah dress him up like a girl and call him a girl and blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> yeah and then physically and verbally so this was abusing. a common thing yeah and then yeah. then henry then henry his mom was dressing him up to whore him out right yep like that's like next level yeah, he was, she was, I think, it sounded like she was religious, so she's like, oh, you want to be gay? I'll make you gay. And dress him up and call him Susan, like, almost like a troll job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be a girl? I'll make you a girl. But then yeah. the other one was just like, you're going to be a girl because I want a hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> okay, Susie. Yeah. Whatever you say, Susie. 
Yeah, it's a fucking man. You want to play bridge tonight, Susie? <laughs> we get through the sources. The uh, the criminal life of Otis Toole by Gary Kurtzer Myers. The heinous crimes of Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole by Lawrence Lease. Crime Library magazine article: Henry Lee Lucas, prolific killer or prolific liar by Catherine Ramsland. Time Magazine, the U.S. is still dealing with the murder of Adam Walsh by Olivia B. Waxman. And the L.A. Times article, Adam Walsh case is closed after 27 years by John Holland. Hmm. Rough one. Real rough. So there you go. Season two, everyone. (laughs) Hope you enjoy Uh, it. All right. See you next season. (laughs) Oh, boy. Sorry to end everything on such a bummer. (laughs) It's all right. The Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.